from the HBP studio. You're listening to the 94th episode of Hipster Baseball Podcast, HBP. I'm Dorian, and on today's podcast, we're driven to drink after the wildcard round, get knocked out of the divisional series round, and look ahead to the league championship series. And always, and always, and as always, we're having a drink because it's the middle of the playoffs, and in my hand, I have a beer called Carolina Libre. It's a hard seltzer from a good American brewery called The Answer Brew Pub in Richmond, Virginia. And before we start drinking, well, no, I, I've already been drinking, but before I start drinking with you, you may be asking yourself, Dorian, why has this podcast taken so long? Because you're mad that the Braves have been knocked out of the playoffs? No, I'm really not. I'm sad, but not mad. <laughs> Speaking of hard seltzer, you may have remember, you may have, you may remember that we talked about hard seltzer back way back in episode forty-six, and the man who invented hard seltzer, but a young gentleman by the name of Joseph Priestley, he inv- he was a massive inventor of other things, and one of them is seltzer water. And there was plenty of drinking to do in my household <laughs> after the Philadelphia Phillies knocked out. Let me say this because this is, the, this is like the last week or two I can say this. The defending World Series champions, Atlanta Braves. And what I like about this beer is that it's like cherry cola. I'm not big on the carbonated drinks or whatever. Uh, you know, all that sugary corn syrup stuff. But when I do have an urge for it. I'll buy like a cherry cola or like a Pepsi cherry, whatever the heck. The point is that I like this and this hard seltzer tastes exactly like a cherry cola. It's awesome. And to top it off, it actually has alcohol in it. 8% alcohol, by the way. I'm going to have another drink. And it's October. It's the middle of playoffs. What about sober October? Shut up. Listen, you can always hear my voice or my thoughts on our Instagram account, our Twitter account at HPP4040. Instagram is Hipster Baseball Podcast. Give us a follow. Don't give us a follow, but it's out there. And to recap the world, the world, the wild card series games, I wanted to give my thoughts, my impressions of my second team, the Tampa Bay Rays, also knocked out of the playoffs when they played the Cleveland Guardians. In game one, Shane McLaughlin was up against Shane Bieber. And you know what? I'm a believer. No, wait, no, that, that came out wrong. I'm a believer. <laughs> I don't know. It's that fan club of Justin Bieber. They call themselves be- believers. I don't know. Maybe ask your sister, ask your nephew, ask your niece, ask your daughter, ask your girlfriend or wife. Anyways, that was a joke that came out all messed up. Justin Bieber, one of the many Canadian exports, just like uh, Tim Horton's coffee, Oil from, what, Alberta and Saskatchewan, I think, or Edmonton. Edmonton is in Nova Scotia. I don't know. Anyways, I don't know all my provinces in Canada. In Canada, or for the more cultured people out there, the great Canadian artists, the group of seven. So Justin Bieber, no relation to Shane Bieber, is there. I don't know. Cherry Cola, drinking, baseball. Shane Bieber, that game one between the Rays and the Guardians went by super fast. They're, they're both McLaughlin and Bieber were just overpowering the offenses. I'm going to have another drink. 
my mighty Rays didn't get their first hit until the top of the fifth inning in game one. And they finally got a run when Jose Siri hit a solo home run at the top of the sixth inning. That game, the Rays had three hits and the the game one between the Guardians and the Rays was over in two hours and 15 minutes. I mean, they are ghosts from like the 1948 World Series that are like, wow, it's like normal baseball for them. Back then, the World Series games would take like under two and a half hours. And this is crazy that this playoff game finished in two hours and 15 minutes. Fast forward to game two, because remember, the wild card series was just the best, best of three. So the first team to go to two games moves on. Top of the first inning in game two, that's when I knew that the Tampa Bay Rays were toast. It, it wasn't going to happen for us this year. They had zero competitive competitive at-bats against uh, McKenzie, that awesome, lanky, young pitcher from the Cleveland Guardians. And the only at-bat, the competitive at-bat, the Rays put up against the Guardians pitcher, I remember, was in the top of the second when I, uh, Isaac Paredes, he put a competitive at-bat, and I don't even remember the outcome of that because it doesn't matter because in Game 2, the Rays didn't score any runs. The Guardians scored one run. And seriously... My disappointment, my temper has calmed down in the week or so that the Rays been knocked out. But right after that game, right after the whole series that the that the Tampa Bay Rays lost, it made me rethink my Rays fandom. I completely blame Stu Sternberg, the actual owner of the Tampa Bay Rays. In two games, the Rays scored one run. I think they had like five or six hits. The pitchers were amazing for the Rays. The pitchers for, were amazing for the Guardians. At the end of the day, the players can only do as the best that they can. It's the team, it's the people that construct the team and the product they put out in the field is that is when they can actually when those products quote the quote, excuse me, the products obviously being the players, can produce in the playoffs. And frankly, the Rays have always skimped out on paying a big batter. Someone with a big bat, someone that can pull a home run out of nowhere. They just refused to do it. And Stu Sternberg, I've said this before, we talked about him back in episode 62. Sternberg is a huge Mets, New York Mets super fan. And frankly, Stu, you think I had a bad week with the Braves and the Rays getting knocked out. Think about Stu Sternberg. His, the team that he owns, the Tampa Bay Rays, knocked out. And his favorite team, the New York Mets, also knocked out. His beloved Mets pour a little uh, alcohol out for Stu Sternberg because uh, the Sternberg household is very, very sad this month. And by the way, I've also said this before, but Stu Sternberg used to be, and he may still be, but he was documented. He used to be a season ticket holder of the New York Mets, dot, 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 while still owning the Tampa Bay Rays. There goes to tell you what this man's priorities are. (laughs) And you know what, Stu Sternberg? This is the same guy that has been sued not once, not twice, but three times by the other minority owners of the Rays for allegedly trying to illegally seize full control of the Rays. And also, Stu Sternberg allegedly didn't tell the minority owners of a small, just a very small payment of $376 million from Spot, from Fox Sports Sun, which is the cable, not cable, yeah, the, the, the channel that transmits all of the Tampa Bay Rays games locally in the Tampa Bay area. Yeah, if I was a minority owner and the guy that had the majority didn't refuse to didn't tell me that the team brought in $376 million in income, I'd be pretty pissed too. But nevertheless, 
good people want to work for him. Uh, the, for example, the Rays president of the baseball operations, Eric Neander, says, quote, there's not a better owner to work for. There's a lot, there's a lot about the environment that he set up, established, and has supported that has made a lot of this possible. The trust that he has in us, the confidence, and not just to say it, but to back it up. It's a big part of why we've been able to achieve what we've been able to achieve, end quote. I agree with you, Mr. Neander. The Rays have achieved a lot on a shoestring budget because in Sue Sternberg wants to keep his billions and not actually invest back into the race because he has to pay for those exorbitant New York Mets season tickets and probably luxury box tickets. And frankly, now we're seeing the limits of the way the Rays operate their baseball team. It's a playoff team. The very limits of you squeezing every single ounce of potential out of diamonds in the rough is a playoff team, which is really good, but it's also really bad. Because then the, the your, your, your fans are like, yes, we're going to the playoffs, but we know we're going to poop the bed when we get in the playoffs because we cannot score runs. Look, the Tampa Bay Rays have made the, the postseason for four straight years. And then of those four postseasons, the last two postseasons, 2021 and 2022, they've played a total of six postseason games and they've won one of them. In that magical 2020 postseason run that they went all the way to the World Series and ended up losing to the L.A. Dodgers because they lost to the Dodgers because they couldn't score runs. And they haven't been able to score runs in 2021 postseason. They didn't score it. They scored one run over two games in the 2022 postseason. That's the limits. Those are That's a good thing. That's a bad thing. It, it just really, really irritates me that you have this well-run club that you refuse to to invest just a little bit more and get people to get you over the hump and actually be able to be to say, we're a World Series contender, not just a playoff contender. And frankly, I could be saying the same thing, the same thing about the Cleveland Guardians because like I said in the last episode, the Cleveland Guardians were going up against a mirror image of themselves in the Tampa Bay Rays. The Guardians owners refuse to invest in that team, but they but they do invest in their front office, their analytics, and they squeeze every ounce of good ounce of goodness that they can out of diamonds and the roughs. So now they're in the national in the National League, in the American League Division Series. But speaking of not scoring runs, the Philadelphia Phillies and the St. Louis Cardinals also dominant pitchers. And you know what? Shout out to Corey Dickerson. I had no idea that the former Miami Marlins was actually playing for the Cardinals. As we all know, in the in game one, the Phillies and the, the Cardinals, a complete meltdown by the Cardinals bullpen, along with suspect managing by the St. Louis Cardinals. I let out a gasp when I saw at the bottom, at the bottom, at the top of the ninth inning in game one, when third Cardinals third baseman Nolan Arenado let a ball get by him, I was like, <gasps> uh-oh. That's when I knew the Cardinals were in trouble. But I still, even though I saw it, I have no idea how the Phillies were able to score all those runs at the top of the ninth inning because that team was dead and flat on their back. The Cardinals were just about to put the pitchfork into the, to the Phillies' heart, but it didn't happen. And you know what? The Phillies pitching over those two games... They held Nolan Arenado and potential National League Most Valuable player Paul Goldschmidt to a combined one hit. When your two big boppers only get one hit in a very short series, that's not a good look for you. You know what? The Cardinals only scored three runs but in, that, in those two games, 
but no one gives them crap. Like people, people were giving the the, the Rays crap. It was like, oh, you only scored run, run. The Cardinals only only scored three runs in two games, and it's crazy. Like this is like a sliding door effect that something that two thousand film or whatever it's from from Gwyneth Paltrow of like how the smallest episodes in your life can completely change the, traje- the trajectory of your future. If that game one top of the ninth inning meltdown doesn't happen, can you really say the Phillies are going to come back and win game two and game three? They may not be even appearing in the National League Division Series or the National League Championship Series, but that's a, that's a different universe that we don't inhabit. But over in back in the American League, Seattle and the, and the Toronto Blue Jays, the Seattle Mariners and the Toronto Blue Jays, they had no problem scoring. This was the wackiest series of the entire wildcard round for me. And you know what? The Seattle Mariners pitcher, Luis Castillo, he blew me away. One from his awesome dreadlocks. And obviously the most, the most important thing is the way he pitched. He's been shutting down everyone. He shut down the mighty Blue Jays. He shut down the Astros. And we'll get to we'll get to that in a minute. And it's incredible that the Toronto Blue Jays bullpen couldn't hold an 8-4 to lead. And as I had said before on this podcast, I thought the Blue Jays bullpen was average. But I didn't expect them to be this bad over two games. And it's crazy that I believe this. A lot of people believe this because this is a great clip. Not a great clip, but a great quote. Before the beginning of the season, the Toronto Blue Jays first baseman Vladimir Guerrero Jr. said in March of 2022, he said, quote, Last year was the trailer. What you are going to see this year is the movie. End quote. <laughs> I'm going to have another drink because I love that. Last year was a trailer. What the heck was he talking about, Vladimir? Vladdy, Vladdy Guerrero Jr. In 2021, the Toronto Blue Jays finished with a record of 91 wins, 71 losses. They were nine games behind the division winners, the Tampa Bay Rays. They didn't make the playoffs. In 2022, the mighty Blue Jays, the full summer blockbuster trailer, managed one additional win. They finished in 2022 with 92 wins and 70 losses. Seven games behind the division winner, New York Yankees, and the Blue Jays got in the wild card spot. If this was Rotten Tomatoes, you know, the the famous website that tells you that reviews movies, they might give this a 60% tomato meter. Maybe the audience score, I think, would be like... 27%. 27%. It's like, how are you going to talk all that game that last year was a trailer, this year is the movie, and you win one more game, and you don't win any games in the postseason, and you had home field advantage. I am very disappointed in this Toronto Blue Jays team because they have so much potential, but they're not getting it done. It's been now two, three years, basically. 2020, that's when a lot of their rookies came up. 2021, like I said, they didn't make the playoffs. 2022, they made the playoffs, couldn't, couldn't win a game. Who knows what's going to happen in Toronto? They fire their manager, they get to the playoffs, and they poo the bed. But you know who didn't poo the bed? My dark horse, the San Diego Padres. They took down the New York Mets, and they took them down easier than I thought they would. Even though they went the full three games, as I had said, I need to stop saying that. Who cares what you say, Dorian? The Mets didn't hit a lot of home runs this year. They didn't live by the home run. But the home run killed the New York Mets season. If you remember, towards the end of the regular season, the home runs they gave up against the Atlanta Braves cost the Mets the National League East Division title, therefore forcing them to play in the wild card spot, in the wild cards uh, round. And then the Padres' home runs 
knocked the New York Mets out of the postseason, even though the Mets were playing at home in CD Field, which, by the way, CD Field, the best food in all of Major League Baseball stadiums, I think, in my humble opinion. To be fair, I haven't been to every single baseball stadium. <laughs> but I'm just saying that maybe on the East Coast, it has the best food in the East Coast. When you're, when you're in New York, take the seven train out to City Field next year, obviously, because the Mets aren't playing anymore. Have a beer. Have some delicious food out there. The Padres, the Padres, the people were sleeping on the Padres starting pitching. And the Padres starting pitching came through. Unlike the Mets starting pitching. pitching. Look, what's up with Max Scherzer, the all-solar system pitcher for the New York Mets? Here's something that I dug into. I'm like, there is something that's just not right about Max Scherzer. Over the past two postseasons, he's had a combined total of four starts with the LA Dodgers last season and now with the New York Mets. In those four, se- in those four postseason starts, he's only pitched longer than four and two-thirds innings once. That means in three starts, he's pitched four and two-thirds innings or less. And he went once eight innings in, back in 2021 when the Dodgers played the San Francisco Giants. Obviously, we understand that in the playoffs, the pitchers have a shorter leash. You have to pull them earlier. But with a future Hall of Famer like Max Scherzer, you're like, surely Scherzer is going to give us at least six innings, maybe seven or eight if we're lucky. But to go four innings, four and two-thirds innings with the Dodgers and the Mets... That's a huge problem because he has two years left on that massive contract. He's 38 years old, and the New York Mets may lose Jacob DeGrom to free agency in this, this offseason. That, that makes me think, what is Uncle Steve going to do? The Mets owner, Steve Cohen. The Mets obviously need someone that could hit home runs consistently more than just Pete Alonso, their first baseman slash designated hitter. You know what? Maybe Uncle Steve sends an offer sheet to Aaron Judge, the crosstown rivals over the New York Yankees. Maybe he does something wacky or ill-advised and signs the former L.A. Dodger pitcher, Trevor Bauer. Maybe Uncle Steve decides to sign J.D. Martinez. All this is a conversation for a future podcast, but... I'm really interested in what Uncle Steve's going to do with the New York Mets to address the shortcomings of the New York Mets team, which is crazy to say because this New York Mets team was really good. They won 101 games this year. That's You just don't just fluke your way into winning that many games. You and I, we can't afford to be signing free agents like J.D. Martinez and Aaron Judge, but you know we all can afford some groceries once in a while, and that's where this week's podcast sponsor comes in right after I have this drink because we have a drink sponsor this week. Isn't that wonderful? 10K. Until now, the hardest part of working out a thirst was quenching it. Until now. Because even though thirst quenchers are good for you, they just didn't taste very good. Until 10K. Finally, a thirst quencher with vitamin C, low sodium, and great taste. So, Next time you work up a thirst, you'll have something to look forward to, a 10K. Cheers to 10K because God knows I'm going to need some hydration drink after having all this delicious cherry cola beer from the Answer Brew Pub or whatever they're called in Richmond. I know a lot of baseball players are going to be drinking 10K. When you're watching the TV 
and playoffs and they, they do your shots of into the dugout or they have the dugout interviews, a lot of those guys are going to be drinking 10K to hydrate after hitting a home run or striking people out. And especially when we move on to the divisional series, when the teams get better and the games get harder. I have absolutely no idea what's going to go on with the Cleveland Guardians and New York Yankees division, American League Divisional Series. Miss Cleo decided to call in sick. I can't look into the future. And frankly, I can't keep waiting for the rain delay of, game, of the deciding game five, five at Yankee Stadium. But like I had said, I'm concerned about the Yankees relief pitchers. Look, Aroldis Chapman, he wasn't even on the team for this divisional series because he had that tattoo issue on his leg and then another issue. And then he ended up not even showing up to the, the mandatory workouts the few days before the divisional series game. And fast forwarding to game two, the Yank- Yankee Stadium started booing Aaron Judge, their right fielder who hit 62 home runs, set a New York Yankees team record because he struck out four times against the Cleveland Guardians. I'm sorry. Aaron Judge is the reason, is one of the main reasons you're even in this position. And a week ago, you were, reco- you were video recording every little moment that he did. If he was picking his boogers... You were video recording him. If he was taking a swig of 10K hydration sports drink, you were taking a video of him. If he was taking a huge hack at potentially hitting home run number 60, 61, 62, 67, 69, you were taking a video of him. But the man strikes out four times in one game and then he's just garbage to you? Wow. Cheers to the classy New York Yankees fans. I mean, uh, no offense to DiCarlo and everything, but that's that's ridiculous. And also Josh Donaldson. I, I kind of... I've been thinking about Josh Donaldson, the Yankees third baseman, having a breakout playoffs because he just hasn't been playing well. He's been super frustrated. In game one, he had that for sure home run bounce off the top of the wall. It came back into play, and he was like flabbergasted. He was like, I didn't didn't run super fast because I was sure that it was a home run. And then in game two, he had a for sure extra base hit robbed by the Cleveland Guardians rookie right fielder Steve Kwan and he was like what the heck is going on like I just feel that if the Guardians move on because again I have no idea look by the time you listen to this you'll know who won the Guardians or the the Yankees but if the Yankees move on I still feel that Josh Donaldson can have a really big playoff series against potentially the Houston Astros and you know what the Guardians just like their sister just like their cousin the Tampa Bay Rays They're not going to maul you to death with multiple home runs. They're not going to score 11 runs. They may score 11 runs in the entire series, but they're not going to be able to score 9 or 7 or 11 runs in a game. They're going to bloop you to death, and that's exactly what they've been doing to the New York Yankees. As an ancient Chinese proverb says something to the effect of, death by a thousand cuts, a walk, a hit, an error, boom. And then you see, oh crap, the Guardians have two runs in this inning. And then they obviously won't score for like the next five innings. (laughs) And by the way, speaking of scoring and death by a thousand cuts, who in the heck is Oscar Gonzalez? Let me tell you, he's with the Cleveland Guardians. He's a 22-year-old rookie from, guess, Oscar Gonzalez. Where do the best baseball players come from? The Dominican Republic. (laughs) Oscar Gonzalez is having a super clutch playoff series. 
he hit the game, the game, the series winning home run against the Tampa Bay Rays in the bottom of the 15th inning, which I, I stopped watching that game with the top of the 15th inning with the Rays and the Guardians. As big of a Rays fan as I am, I was so mad at them. I was like, I know that that wild card game, the Rays were never, ever, 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 ever going to score. They played 15 innings. They could have played 27 innings, and I knew that the Rays weren't going to score. Oscar Gonzalez, the Guardians hero, the Guardians move on after he hits a home run. And then he had the game-winning hit in the bottom of the 10th inning in Game 2 against the Yankees. Guardians won. And then for a like a double encore, Oscar Gonzalez then has the game-winning hit in the bottom of the ninth inning against in Game 3 against the New York Yankees. Cleveland Guardians win. And what's hilarious is that, again, he's 22 years old. And his walk-up song, his theme song, is the SpongeBob SquarePants theme song. <laughs> this is how young he is. He said, quote, I thought that was something that kids would love. So that's why I chose it, end quote. I mean, that's a perfectly rational reason. <laughs> Personally, if I had a walk-up song, what would I have? What would, you, what would your walk-up song be if in your job? Or in your presentation when you have to talk in person or on Zoom or to a client or a customer. I'm thinking that my walk-up song would be either TV show. It would be either the Miami Vice theme song from Jan Hammer or the Knight Rider theme song. Yeah, no, for sure. Either Knight, I, I would just switch it up. You know, if it was a day game, day presentation, Knight Rider. If it was a night like an afternoon presentation, an, an afternoon game, I would go with Miami Vice. But anyways, back to the Guardians and the, and the Yankees. By the time you listen to this, you're going to know if the Cleveland Guardians or the New York Yankees moved on to play the Houston Astros. So we'll do this. Can you believe that the scrappy Cleveland Guardians took down the New York Yankees and their home run king? Or you can delete that out and say... The New York Yankees are finally one step closer to winning number 28. Kiss the ring. Kiss the ring, mofos. Obviously, New York Yankees fans don't talk that way, but whatever. The, the Yan New York Yankees are potentially one step closer to winning World Series championship number 28. And you know what? The king is dead. Long live the king. Because we're talking about the Philadelphia Phillies and the Atlanta Braves the defending World Series champions, the National League East Division champions, one of the biggest fan bases in Major League Baseball, and Rob Manford and his evil minions in the New York Major League Baseball scheduling office says, Atlanta Braves, you're only getting 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time game time. How can you do that? I've been saying this on the podcast so many times, and it's not about the Atlanta Braves. It really isn't. I've always said the regular season should start one day before everyone else starts. And the right to host the very first game of the new season should be given to the defending World Series champions. This year, who knows is going to be, but whoever ends up winning the World Series this year should have the right to host the first game the night before everyone else starts. Just like who does it? The National Football League does that. You know that. They start the Thursday before everyone else and the defending Super Bowl champion always host a really good team from the other conference. Why doesn't baseball do this? And here we are, forget about the regular season, here we are in the postseason. 
and you give the defending champions a time that everyone's at work or everyone's having to run errands, everyone has to go to appointments. This is insane. Rob Manfred and his evil minions always are talking about, talking about we have to grow the game. Do you want to grow the game or do you want to grow the Yankees fan base? Because the New York Yankees always, it's by it's law, it's actual law, it's written in the Constitution, it's a, it's a 32nd Amendment. The New York Yankees have to play at 7 or 8 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, prime time, always on ESPN. God forbid it ever happens because then it would be the frankly... The end of the American Constitution, the end of the way of the American life. And you know what? No more American breweries, which would be very sad. Hold on. I'm going to have a drink. Sad observations from this Phillies and Braves National League Division Series. Max Fried had a bad game one start. And you know what? The Houston Astros, we'll talk about them in a second. Their ace, Justin Verlander, probable American League Cy Young winner, he also had a bad start pitching. The Philadelphia Phillies, they have played six games and they've won five of them what a way to start the postseason their confidence is sky high they've got high hopes <laughs> and it made me and after game one between the Phillies and the Braves I thought about Kyle Schwarber is he the Philadelphia Phillies Jock Peterson because if you remember, Jock Peterson was traded from the LA Dodgers last season to the Atlanta Braves. And without Jock Peterson, I don't think that Atlanta Braves team wins the World Series. Kyle Schwarber was part, because Jock Peterson won the World Series with the LA Dodgers in 2020. And he had that tremendous pedigree of the LA Dodgers are absolute monsters. They're really, really good. Kyle Schwarber was part of the 2016 Chicago Cubs that won the World Series. And he just, he doesn't, it's not about like, oh, everyone talks about swag. It's just that good, honest belief in yourself. It's like, look, guys, I've done this before, and you guys are real good. And in the playoffs, anything can happen. Be yourself, play within yourself, and you will be champions. Jock Peterson brought that belief, that confidence, and the resume to the Atlanta Braves in 2021. And I think Carl, Kyle Schwarber is doing the same thing for the 2022 Philadelphia Phillies. The Phillies right fielder Bryce Harper, he wore a chain with a medallion featuring the Phillies logo like before game two or game three. And I'm thinking this son of a gun, Bryce Harper, he stole that from Jock Peterson. Because if you remember last year, Jock Peterson showed up in the playoffs with those white grandma pearls, <laughs> which I loved. Everyone loved that. And here is Bryce Harper showing up with a Phillies logo with God knows how much that medallion cost him but it doesn't matter the guy's making like 27 million dollars a year who cares if it cost him fifty thousand a hundred thousand hundred thousand dollars and in this series the phillies defense still made mistakes because they're not a terrible defense but they're just not they're below average let's be let's be real they're below average defense they made mistakes they made errors but you know what for the most part the atlanta braves didn't punish the philadelphia phillies for making those errors and in every single game, the Philadelphia Phillies, not every, but for the most part, you would just you would just look at the scoreboard, whether it's in the second inning or the eighth inning, the Philadelphia Phillies were always leading. They were always in front, and the Atlanta Braves were always playing catch-up. And the Atlanta Braves left the bases loaded twice in game one, and they lost that game by a single run, by the way. 
But the Braves, I never felt that the Braves' energy was up to the Philadelphia Phillies' energies, their players. It just, they weren't, the Braves weren't sleepwalking out there, but I think that I don't know what it was. And it, and it wasn't rust. Yes, the Atlanta Braves, just like the Houston Astros, just like the LA Dodgers, just like the New York Yankees, had five, six days off between the end of the regular season and the start of the playoffs. It wasn't rust. It was something else. I don't know what was going on in the Atlanta Braves. I'm, and, and I don't even think they themselves know what happened. But they, I do know that the better team won. Yeah, amongst In that five-game, it wasn't a five-game series, but the best of five, frankly, the Philadelphia Phillies played better over those four games. That's honestly it. And that atmosphere at Citizens Park in Philadelphia, starting in game three and then finishing in game four, holy schmoly, that was awesome playoff atmosphere. And congratulations to the Philadelphia fans, even though they're not the classiest people around. That was awesome what you brought to your team and also baseball as a whole because playoff baseball is borderline magical. But yeah, so my Atlanta Braves, this might be the last time I talk about them and for a few episodes because obviously they've been knocked out. Ronald Acuna Jr. got some crap about not playing good defense in game four. He's one of the three players that actually hit for the Atlanta Braves. And I kept waiting for shortstop Danzy Swanson to come up with a clutch hit like he did all throughout the postseason last year. Or designated hitter William Contreras to hit a home run. Nada, nothing. Nobody did anything. Nobody did anything. And it was just flabbergasting seeing this super experienced postseason team, the Atlanta Braves, not having any competitive at-bats. It's like you guys defeated some of the best teams in baseball last year and this year, and you won the National League East Division winning 101 games. And I was like, who is this team? You're just going up there striking out. You're not putting any pressure on the pitchers, on the defense. I'm still flabbergasted. I, I, I just I don't know who this team was for those four games. So congratulations to the Philadelphia Phillies, the better team over those four over those four games. By the way, guys, Aaron Nola and Zach Wheeler, those two top pitchers from the Phillies, they'll go up against anyone left in the World Series, whether in the World Series in the postseason. The two top pitchers from the Astros, the two top pitchers from the Guardians or the Yankees, because we don't know. The two top pitchers from the San Diego Padres. The Phillies are very, very dangerous. And speaking of the dangerous last Dark Horse, the San Diego Padres, and the LA Dodgers, my initial thoughts were, man, game one, this is a really good debut for the Na- for the Nationals. For the, <laughs> the Nationals are nowhere near the playoffs. For the LA Dodgers bullpen. They took a tremendous pitching performance by Julio Rias, and they salted away game one win in Dodger Stadium. I'm like, okay, the Dodgers are going to go on. I can't. I didn't want the Dodgers to win. I For this specific series, I wanted the Padres and Dodgers to go the full five games and wear themselves out, and the Braves to win, so that way they're nice and fresh for the ultimate, of course, the best matchup of the, play, of the playoffs, the Dodgers and the Braves. <laughs> that didn't happen. And I just was surprised because that game one and also in game two, I just saw the Dodgers batter doing Dodgers batters doing the same thing that they always do. And what the Braves lacked this year, just grinding out at bats, making you making the pitcher work for fouling off balls, 
not strike, not swinging at bad, uh, bad pitches. And that all that kind of like just dissipated as well, which again was really surprising. Like these are the New York, these are the freaking LA Dodgers. Like if we hadn't, if the Atlanta Braves hadn't played them for so long, the Braves wouldn't know how to grind out at bats. And I guess because we didn't play them this year, by we, what am I, part of the team? No, the Braves didn't play them this year. That The Braves just kind of had amnesia. Or maybe they were looking ahead to play the Dodgers. Or maybe the Dodgers were looking ahead to play the Braves. I don't know. And by the way, did you see the funny, one of the, probably the only funny part of this series, <laughs> when that crazy goose ended up just in the outfield <laughs> at Dodger Stadium in LA in the middle of game two, he just like flew in. The whole stadium started laughing and clapping because there was just a goose just hanging out in short right field, and it was very funny. Obviously, he was on the this he or she. We don't know. I, I mean, I don't know. I can't tell the difference between a male or female goose or geese. No, it was one. It was a goose. It was not a geese. It was a goose. I thought it was funny, just like everybody else. It was all over the social medias. It was all over the the TV channel. But on the flip side, I thought. Is, is this bad for baseball? <laughs> because they didn't stop the game just because the goose was just literally sitting and hanging out and looking around in the right in, in the short right field. Because then you could look at it as, oh, well, of course they can just keep playing this game because nothing's going to happen. No one's actually going to hit the ball. No one's going to actually do anything in baseball because it's so boring. <laughs> that's That's what I was thinking. It was like it's funny and it's very it's a very viral moment of a funny looking goose sitting out in the middle of a big playoff baseball game, but they kept playing and eventually he went away after like a few minutes, but nothing happened. <laughs> nothing happened because I forget who the batter was, but he struck out and then they went on to the <laughs> they went on to the next inning and in game three. Speaking of animals, the resident HBP cat lover. Tony Gonsolin, the L.A. Dodgers pitcher, he started for the Dodgers. I don't know why they did this. Other podcasts, other articles have, have made lots of news about this. I'm not going to go over it, but he was rusty. He did not. Tony Gonsolin did not pitch well in Game 3 on the road in San Diego. Talking about Citizens Park and the atmosphere that the Phillies fans brought, the Padres fans were out of their mind and it was amazing. What was not amazing was Tony Gonsolin. But the Dave Roberts, the Dodgers manager, and the Dodgers front office didn't allow Tony Gonsolin to be the best player he could be. Tony Gonsolin hadn't pitched in 51 days. Do you even remember what you were doing 51 days ago? That's two months ago. What were you doing 51 days ago? You know what? Don't ask me because I have no idea. Tony Gonsolin pitched... 51 days in between starts. That's ridiculous. He wasn't he was rusty. He couldn't get it done. Why would you put him in a super important game 3 when the series is tied 1-1 on the road? That's insane. A lot of people have said, "Oh, the Dodgers they were so terrible because they left so many players on uh, so many excuse me, so many runners in scoring position. They were what? They only hit two out of twenty-two at bats with runners in scoring position. No, that's all nonsense. Okay, maybe it's not nonsense, but what about the pitching that was done here? The the managerial and the front office decisions of their starting pitching. And speaking of pitching, again, 
people kept sleeping on the San Diego Padres. Joe Musgrove, he may be getting an MVP award in the National League Championship Series or potentially the World Series. Like I said, that energy in San Diego was awesome for those two games. And they are out of their minds with excitement for more San Diego Padres playoff games. You know what? Maybe this podcast is end up, we can call this the fall of the Giants because the Atlanta Braves, they won over 100 games. They lost. The LA Dodgers, they won over 100 games. They lost. The New York Mets, they won over 100 games. All three of those teams knocked out. And there's only one 100-win team left in the American League. And that team, the Houston Astros, took down the Seattle Mariners in, I think, the best series of the divisional round. I'm telling you, this Seattle Mariners team impressed me taking down the Toronto Blue Jays. The Seattle Mariners had the Houston Astros in Game 1 before the comeback and all that stuff. Houston Astros had they won the the season series against the Seattle Mariners, but all all throughout the season they were close games, and this series was no difference. I think there was a grand total of uh, three runs separated the Houston Astros and the Seattle Mariners. The Houston Astros won all three games, but they won they scored just three more runs than the Seattle Mariners. I mean, how how much closer can you be? And the Mariners just impressed me so much. That they had, I never had a sense that they had fear of the Houston Astros. They had, didn't have a, they didn't have fear of the mighty Toronto Blue Jays offense. They were score. The Mariners scored runs against everybody. They didn't care. They scored runs against the best Blue Jays starters. They scored runs against Framber Valdez of the Houston Astros, against Justin Verlander. Like I said, the probable winner, the future winner of the American League Cy Young Award, that's the best pitcher in, in the American League. And Luis Castillo, is he, even though his team is knocked out, is Luis Castillo the pitcher of the postseason? He took down the, the Toronto Blue Jays. He shut down the Houston Astros. But at the same time, because those three runs separated the Astros and the Mariners, where would the Astros be without Jordan Alvarez? Two huge home runs in the first two games at home. He took their chestnuts out of the fire in that game one. If the Mariners win one of those two games, we stay. We still may be playing between the Mariners and the Astros. And you're, you're thinking about going back to Seattle tied up one-to-one with that insane Seattle crowd that hasn't witnessed a baseball playoff game in 21 years? <laughs> wow. But who knows? All that is ifs and buts. The point is that the Astros did just enough to stop all the upsets that the Braves... Well, it's not really upsets because the best teams won. The Philadelphia Phillies were a better team versus the Atlanta Braves. The San Diego Padres were a better team versus Los Angeles Dodgers. And fill in the blank, the Guardians or Yankees were a better team than fill in the blank, the Yankees or the Guardians in the American League, the other divisional series. And the Houston Astros were slightly better than the Seattle Mariners. So now we have the championship series set up. The Philadelphia Phillies, the San Diego Padres have home field advantage. I love the, I I keep saying this, I love the San Diego Padres starting pitching 
and their bullpen. I think they're just so much better than the two pitchers, Nola and Wheeler, that the Phillies can roll out. You Darvish, Joe Musgrove, Mike Clevenger, Blake Snell, and then you have potentially a revitalized Juan Soto and an awesome Manny Machado for the Padres. Oh, by the way, what about Hassan Kim, who's been a I don't think this has been reported enough, at least from my taste. Hassan Kim has been a really good shortstop replacement for he who should not be named with the San Diego Padres. You mean Fernando Tatis Jr.? Exactly. I think the Padres have a better defense than the Phillies, but, but, the Philadelphia Phillies maybe can exploit the Padres like they did with the Atlanta Braves and just punch the Padres in the mouth with their confidence, their excitement. But you know what? In this case, both of the teams, both of the clubs come in with the same energy, the same excitement, the same insane fans. But I'm still worried about that Philadelphia Phillies defense making the same defensive mistakes that they've been doing all of the regular season and the postseason. But the Philadelphia Phillies are still going to be a tough out. I'm looking at the Philly second baseman, Jean Segura, to have a big series in a National League Championship Series. If the Phillies manage to do the upset here, which I think that they're the underdog, Jean Segura may be the MVP for the Philadelphia Phillies. And if the San Diego Padres win, I think that Juan Soto, the humongous blockbuster trade that they did in the middle, the middle, towards the end of the season for the San Diego Padres, Juan Soto may be the National League Championship Series MVP if the San Diego Padres win. Overall, the Padres, they have home field advantage. They have the best starting pitcher. They have a better bullpen. I think the San Diego Padres win this series in five games. You may be saying, are you mad because the Phillies knocked out the Braves? No, not really. Again, the pitching and the Phillies' lack of defense and, most importantly, history. Check this out. Because the San Diego Padres beat the L.A. Dodgers. And did you know that the L.A. Dodgers, since 2016, they have either won the World Series or has lost to the eventual World Series champion over the past six seasons? Check this out. In 2016... The LA Dodgers lost to the Chicago Cubs in the National League Championship Series. The Cubs famously went on to beat the Cleveland, then Indians, in the 2016 World Series. In 2017, the LA Dodgers lost to the cheating Houston Astros in the World Series. In 2018, the Los Angeles Dodgers lost to the Boston Red Sox in the World Series. In 2019, the LA Dodgers were upset by the Washington Nationals in the National League Division Series. The Nationals went on to beat the Houston Astros in the World Series. In 2020, the Los Angeles Dodgers won the World Series. And last year in 2021, the Los Angeles Dodgers lost to the Atlanta Braves in a National League Championship Series. And the Atlanta Braves went on to win the World Series against the Houston Astros, who are now playing the Cleveland Guardians. Or edit that out and say... The Houston Astros are now playing the New York Yankees. <laughs> because at this point, this New York Yankees-Cleveland Guardians Game 5 is not going to be played again until 
3 a.m. And they're going to show it on C-SPAN. No, I'm joking. Of course, they're not going to show it on C-SPAN. I mean, it's um, Rob Manford would never have his favorite team, the New York Yankees, play at 3 a.m. on C-SPAN or the Jewelry Channel or HSLN or whatever the heck it's called. <laughs> now we know that the Cleveland Guardians and the New York Yankees are going to play on Tuesday at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. I'm I'm sure Ron Man, Rob, Rob, Rob Manford is pissed off that he can't put the Yankees-Guardians game at 8 o'clock on Eastern Standard Time because he has to take in consideration the travel time because the Houston Astros have home field advantage. So the Guardians and the Yankees are playing tomorrow afternoon. We don't know who's going to win. I don't know who's going to win. You know who won. <laughs> so here it is. If the Yankees move on, yay, the Yankees going for ring 28. My thing is, can Garrett Cole pitch all every single one of the Yankees game against the Astros? Because if Garrett Cole can't pitch every single game, me no gusta Yankees in this series. <laughs> Secondly, what the heck is going on with the power outage at in the Bronx with the Yankees in the Yankees? I told you it's no it's no secret. The New York Yankees, the Atlanta Braves hit the most home runs in all of Major Major League Baseball during the regular season. The Braves are out because they couldn't get enough players on base to then hit home runs to really punish the Phillies. Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton for the New York Yankees have a combined, combined three, one, two, three hits over the first 28 at-bats in the first four games. It reminds you of Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt with the St. Louis Cardinals back in the wild card series against the Philadelphia Phillies, only combining for what? What was that? One hit? Not good. And two of those three hits were home runs. And for the Yankees pitcher, unfortunately, Garrett Cole cannot pitch every single game because then his arm would literally fall off. I really like Miami native. Hallelujah. Nestor Cortez Jr., but he is pitching way beyond his innings mileage. This is way beyond the most innings he's ever pitched in his career. I love Nestor Cortez Jr., but he is not yet built for this. If this was a year, maybe a year or two later, then yeah, of course, Nestor Cortez Jr. could handle the, the load. It's just, this is so far beyond the, what he what his body is normally saying right now is like, okay, it's time to rest, to shut down, and then start ramping up for the season. But Nestor Cortez Jr. is like, no, we're still pitching. We're still pitching. We're still playing. We're deep in the playoffs. I don't know if I can trust giving the ball to Nestor Cortez Jr. in game two, a pivotal game three, and saying, we need five, six innings from you, and we need a quality start from you. And the New York Yankees bullpen, as I said, it's good. But not great. If the Yankees can take, if the, first off, if the Yankees beat the Guardians, and then if the Yankees can take down the Houston Astros, the way I see it is Garrett Cole has to win both of his two starts. He absolutely has to win those two games, and he has to be going six and seven innings against that really, really talented Houston Astros lineup. And Giancarlo Stanton. And like I said, the third baseman, Josh Donaldson, they have to regain their power. They have to regain their power. And I'm talking about having extra bases hits, extra bases, extra base hits and home runs. Because if not, it's going to be lights out real quick for the New York Yankees. And if 
the scrappy Cleveland Guardians with their dominant bullpen get past the New York Yankees. And if the Guardians do take down the Houston Astros, it's going to be pure run suppression. Because again, the Cleveland Guardians are just nothing more than the Midwest Tampa Bay Rays. <laughs> they don't have that good of an all. They don't score that many runs, but their pitching is fantastic. And maybe, maybe the Cleveland Guardians can bloop and flare their way to four or five runs every single game. Because if they don't, if the Guardians can't manage to score four or five runs at least against the Houston Astros, this series is going to be over real quick. As long as the Guardians can fill the bases with uh, some hit-by-pitcher HVP, maybe a walk here or there, a bloop single against, and I think they, I, I think they, the Guardians can really do this against Justin Verlander and Framberto Valdez from the Astros. They can score runs against the starting pitchers because I think that the Astros' bullpen is stronger than the Astros' starting pitching. Because once that bullpen comes in, it's going to be almost impossible for the Guardians to score runs. So if the Guardians manage to score early, the first two, three, four innings of every single game, if they play the Houston Astros, they'll, they'll score their three, four, five innings, three, four, five innings, three, four, five runs, and then that bullpen and defense has to hold on as if you're riding a bull to make sure the Astros don't catch up to you. That's really it because the Astros are just stronger. They have a stronger lineup. Fantastic shutdown bullpen, really good starting pitching. And if the Yankees manage to get past the Cleveland Guardians and the Houston Astros, I think Matt Carpenter could be the most valuable player for the Yankees in the American League Championship Series. Matt Carpenter has had plenty of big games with the St. Louis Cardinals. He's experienced. He's a really good player. He came back from injury. He can do this. If the Guardians manage to make it past the New York Yankees and defeat the Houston Astros in the American League Championship Series, why am I going to overthink this? Why make it difficult? Third baseman Jose Ramirez, he's going to be the most valuable player. And you know what? Cheers to my last bit of beer and the Houston Astros who are making, as crazy as it sounds, their sixth consecutive American League Championship Series appearance. That's that's to be respected. I know we talked about the cheating Astros of 2017 and 2018, but you know what? There's like th- only three or four players left from that team now with the Houston Astros. Most of these guys weren't even around when all that cheating went on. This They're just genuinely that good of a team, really good at player development. And over the past two or three years, like their their playoff success has just been hard, have been uh, hard earned. I just had a drink. And those six consecutive American League Championship Series appearances is second all-time to the 1990s Atlanta Braves. Those Braves team in the 90s appeared in not one, not two, not five, not six, in eight consecutive National League Championship Series. That's I, I, I myself was surprised when I heard that. The Braves went to eight consecutive National League Championship Series. That's amazing. And I hope we can start another run like that next year. <laughs> and who's the Astros MVP going to be if they make it to the World Series? Again, let's not break our brain. Let's go with Jose Altuve, the shortstop. One of the cheaters from the 2017 World uh, World Series, air quotes, champion, Houston Astros. Altuve had a bad series against the Mariners. He had zero. He had as many hits as you and I did. Zero hits against the Mariners. One walk and he struck out six times. 
but Jose Altuve is genuinely a really good player, and I think that he and he has all the playoff experience that you want. I think he's going to come back really strong. I don't know who's going to win Game Five on Tuesday between the Cleveland Guardians and New York Yankees, but I do know that I want to thank loyal listeners and new listeners, like someone from Weisbaden, Germany, Calgary, Canada which I think Calgary is oil country, just like the group of seven and Justin Bieber and all the believers out there. <laughs> I am not a Justin Bieber fan. I just I thought that was funny. And also a new listener from Cape Town, South Africa, a new listener from Tempe, Arizona, and finally, someone from Valley Center, which apparently is either California or Kansas or both. I don't know. Thank you. Cheers. And you know what? Thank you for listening. Subscribe to the podcast on all the major platforms. Uh, review us give us however many stars or have a few stars you want my drink a picture of my drink will be in on instagram and twitter let's get together next week for a brand new world series episode of hbp hipster baseball podcast bye